We are here because we are dedicated to helping the entire CrossFit community. Determined to elevate coaches, box owners, athletes, and everything in between, we believe that this mission will begin right here, right now. While this time and this goal begins with you, our hope is that you take this fire ignited within you and weave it into your own life with the same unrelenting passion to give those you have the privilege of coming in contact with the best hour of their day. We appreciate you coming back. You are always requested. You are often misquoted by us, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, my wife tells me that all the time. But, you know, there's no better person for these guys, for coaching, for Olympic lifts, and for, for everything you do. Are you going to be in Madison? Yes, I am. I will you, be there. What will you be doing there? Well, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm doing a, a course the week before at um, Mad Dog CrossFit in Madison. Skip and Keisha uh, Benzine have a box there. And so the last couple of years, I've done courses before the games. And then I plan on uh, being at the games probably, uh, you know, Monday, Tuesday, and then uh, maybe get into the, uh, you know, doing the Bergner warm-up, the live demos, depending on that, however they, they want to use me. And then I'm going to go back and see my sisters in Southern Illinois. So I'm actually flying into St. Louis, driving to Madison, and then going down to Southern Illinois, and then drive back to St. Louis and fly home. Very cool. So we have at least one person who's got a local box there. He's not on currently, but I don't think many of you guys are going to the games. Are you, are any of you coming into town? No, on a song. My wife won't let me. No. Jersey Tony, I almost sent you a video yesterday of the baby screaming and saying one or three, it doesn't matter. These are, it doesn't matter how many kids you have. She just wouldn't stop screaming. Coach B, how many siblings do you have? Siblings, I have two sisters. I'm the oldest. You're the older brother? You have to take I'm the care. oldest brother and the boss. When you were younger, I mean, you grew up, you know, there was probably a lot of hooligans, roughhousing going on. Did you have to protect your little sisters? I did protect my little sisters from everybody but me. <laughs> That's a good, yeah, good, good way to look at it. All right, well... We've, we, there's no introduction needed. We know who Coach B is. You guys are excited. Let's uh, put those hands up, whatever's going, whatever you want to do. Let's, uh, let's have some Q&A with Coach B, please. Who, uh, wait for you guys, unless- We're uh, all afraid. They, yeah, they, most of them got a bunch of hands going up. I would say about 50% of the people on the call were on the original one. Oh, okay. So, but uh, let's go with Tony UP from Michigan. All right. Hey, coach. Thanks for joining us again. Um, Jason actually interviewed a guy on the podcast. Was it Zach? Um, Talander? Yeah, whatever his last name was. It was actually a pretty good good conversation, but he hated the medicine ball clean as a part of CrossFit foundational movements and teaching people how to clean. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on what, I mean, obviously you like the bar and the barbell, but what are your thoughts on the medicine ball clean? And what is your kind of go-to when you teach people how to do the clean uh, in like, you know, their first time ever touching a bar? Yeah, I'm not a a real fan of the medicine ball clean either. Uh, I just think that with with your hands being in this position rather than this position, it it can lead to some uh, uh, confusion. However, in the medicine ball clean, uh, you know, the, the fact that they're after that extension, the, the using of the legs and the, the ankle, knee and hip extension, I think is, uh, is relevant. I think that that's, uh, that can be there and can be used in the, in the CrossFit curriculum. Uh, for me, uh, I use a PVC pipe for just about everything in the beginning. Uh, the Bergner warmup has a, a clean variation as well. Uh, and I just choose to, to go that route. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, that I'm correct. I just, uh, uh, I, will not, I will not use the medicine ball clean when I'm teaching my beginning athletes, uh, you know, how, how to 
you know, how to uh, rack the barbell or do the clean. I don't think there's any carryover other than the extension that you can get. But I'm the guy that also teaches jump. I'm the guy that teaches, you know, uh, speed against uh, speed in the middle and and pulling my body down and around the bar. I don't use the term catch. Uh, I, I use the term going to the bar and receiving that bar. Uh, so there's a lot of discrepancy there. So I think it would just lead to more confusion if I if I did use that that in my curriculum. As, 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 thank you. As a note, the person that just asked you that question often corrects me when I say catch. He oh, said, Jason! Oh, he said, how could you do that? Was that you, Tony UP, right? <laughs> Good job, Tony. Oh. Let me ask you a follow-up. Feel free to say, I don't want to discuss it. Okay. What, did you ever have any kind of headbutting with Coach Glassman about it back in the day when he brought you on? Uh, no, I'm a, I'm a very respectable Marine. You know, I, I learned to follow orders when, uh, when appropriate. So, you know, Glassman was my commanding officer. And if I disagreed with him, unless I was asked directly, which I would answer correctly in, in the way I felt, but very rarely did he ask me that. <laughs> he knew how I felt, basically. So, uh, no, we never had any headbutts. He was, he was the boss, and I just followed orders. So you probably answered that question a few times at the Olympic lifting seminars where people would... Yeah, they want to know what the hell's going on. And, uh, you know, I just kind of, oh, well, shake my head. Yeah. You know, it's just part of the CrossFit curriculum. So gotcha. just the way it is. Gotcha. Going back to the Bergner warm-up, is there anything now in retrospect that you would have done differently, realizing how it's going to take off and how affiliates around the world are going to use that as their way to develop the Olympic lifts? No, because the Bergner warm-up has been used since 1965. You know, I just didn't know it was the Bergner warm-up, right? I mean, so that's kind of kind of the way it evolved. And, and I don't take any credit for the Bergner warm-up because it was really basically taught to me in parts by my coach, Father Lang, when I was at Notre Dame. And so I was just dumb enough to put all five components together, I guess, and then another five components together for the uh, skill transfer exercises. But, you know, in 1965, we started using that warm up and I used it when I became a public school teacher after I got out of the Marine Corps. That was my go to uh, uh, curriculum. That was how I taught my kids. And, you know, I was of the old school, the Russian, the Polish methods of vertical hips, keeping the bar close to the body. And the OS pull came into, come in, came into play a little bit later. Um, but, you know, in, 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 our, in our feelings, we all always had the belief that vertical hips led to the proper uh, bar path uh, in order to be more successful and more efficient in, in cleaning and snatching. I see a new T-shirt. I think you should make a Bergner warm-up T-shirt established 1965. <laughs> I think all the steps, right? Stick figure steps are not even on the back. Something yeah. like, you know, being dumb since 65. I like it. <laughs> Devin at the gym today. Hey, Coach B. Hey. Real quick, speaking, speaking of the T-shirts, I, I took the weightlifting level one in uh, uh, Charlotte last year. I, I wish you guys sold t-shirts at the seminars. Uh -huh. um, Leaving money on the table, Coach B. Yeah. The other thing, I have a question. So we have two athletes who, they have good bar path when we start from either high hang or hang. Right. But when we move below the knee, they end up sweeping the bar back into their hip and then trying to treat it almost like a kettlebell and yep. pop it off their hip. Do you have any good drills to stop that pattern? I do. So what you, what you want to do is from the high hang and the hang, your, your pathways, you know, appropriate and it's, it's the way it needs to be. So now take it, take it down a step. So you, you go from the high hang, you go to the mid thigh, and then you go one inch below the knees. And then from one inch below the knees, you squat the bar up to one inch above the knees. And that, and all you're doing is getting the knees out of the way. 
And what, what they end up doing, they don't stay over the bar long enough. They go around the knees. That, that forces them to bring the bar back into the hips. They take away that tension out of the hamstring. And it just screws up their whole bar path. And instead of being in a vertical displacement with slightly leaned back, that, which allows them to pull themselves under the bar, they end up being in a real, I'm going to go the other direction there, because they're going to a real C pull end up like that, and they end up sw swinging the bar outside the least line of resistance. So for me, I work in, in, in uh, positions, stance, grip, and positions are what's needed to be an effective leader and, to, and the basic fundamentals of teaching are stance, grip, and position. So once I got the stance and the grip squared away, uh, you know, I, and starting from the high hang, I work myself down and I go to that starting position and then I go one inch above the ground, one inch below the knees, one inch above the knees. And I really work that one inch below to one inch above getting the knees out of the way and keeping that bar a millimeter away from the body. And once that bar goes to mid thigh, I just tell them to jump like hell, but jump flat footed because I want that big toe, little toe heel to be equally distributed against the ground. Uh, bringing the bar into the hips has a tendency to also bring the, the positioning of the foot into play where you're on the balls of the foot too soon. And you're not going to get that, that uh, strong leg drive against, you know, against the ground that, that I'm really after. So I've even wrestled with the word pull. I don't necessarily, for me, in my world of catching and receiving, to, the, to more adequately describe what I'm after is an absolutely vicious leg drive. So a pull, when you think about pull, what do you think about? Arms pulling. You don't think about leg drive. And that is absolutely going to be, you know, the most important part of your snatch, your clean, and your jerk journey is learning how to drive hard against the ground to create that acceleration and elevation on the barbell. And going around the knees like that uh, just really screw up that potential leg drive. Is the uh, scientific term for keeping it close a gnat's ass? And that's ass is exactly the right way to go. <laughs> hey, can I let me show you guys this real, real quick in our gym? And then, yeah, Tony, if you want to have a follow up, did you want to follow up with that, Jersey Tony? Or you were telling me to. Can you see the... I didn't, I didn't know when he was gonna, um, when coach was gonna go to the next question, but coach, um, before Devin jumps in real quick, yeah, Tony, come on. The... Oh, sorry, sorry. I'm just going off of that because I'll forget it. But that second pull is where that leg drive is really going to be initiated, correct, Coach? Yeah, and, okay. and here's the other thing. The lighter the weight, the less the less leg drive you need, right? I mean, but I don't. you don't want to – bringing that kind of stuff into a beginner is really potentially confusing to them. So that's why I use the word jump, because of the lack of confusion. I mean, a, a jump is a triple extension. It's an ankle, knee, and hip extension, and that's that's the critical aspect. So, you know, they don't need to know ankle, knee, and hip extension. Uh, what they need to know is that they got to bring the bar from the ground to mid-thigh. When that bar gets to mid-thigh, then you jump that barbell, creating acceleration and elevation on the barbell, keeping it a gnat's ass from the body, you know, keeping it in the right bar path. I love it. Devin, where you, what was your follow-up, Devin? Uh, I was going to show, we actually have all the Bergner stuff drawn up. Nice. And it says, it says a gnat's bum. Not, <laughs> you gotta, yeah, you gotta. Devin, I love that. Good job, brother. Coach B is R-rated. You got to PG it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my wife keeps telling me that, but I don't, honest to God, my mouth just gets in the way. Jason. Hey, Coach B, good to see you again. Um, good seeing you, Jason. Two questions for you. Um, Devin actually kind of brought one up, uh, I was thinking about in, in relation to positioning. Um, how do you work with athletes that, um, say, if you're trying to teach those positions, where anatomy is getting in the way, what, let's say if it's a, a pregnant athlete or a weight athlete or someone uh, larger chest anatomy uh, gets in the way of a nice vertical bar path. Um, obviously, there's, you know, there's only so much you can do there. And I'm curious uh, how you go about um, 
Yep, nailed it, Tony. Um, <laughs> uh, how you go about uh, working with that? And then I got another totally unrelated question. Yeah, well, you know, there's there's always going to be different uh, different anatomical, you know, people that you have. You're going to have long limb people. You're going to have short limb, long torsos, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The bottom line is, is that I want to be as perfect as I can be. So, you know, the old the old adage where I draw that line. Uh, on the toes and uh, uh, the lines on the toes creates the area of the base. And even if I have a pregnant athlete or big booby athlete in there, uh, I, I can keep that bar within the area of the base. And you know, if it, if it ends up going outside the area of the base then they're bringing the bar into the hips or below the belly and they end up pounding the bar out, it keeps it outside the, the least line of resistance and it, it becomes uh, it becomes a nightmare for them. So, I mean, I've been working with, uh, you know, athletes, you know, and evaluating their lifts. One gal from uh, Denmark right now just gave birth to a baby and she lifted and cleaned and snatched all the way through, you know, the, the pattern. Did she keep the bar in the area of the base? Yes. Did she keep the bar close to the body? Hell yes, because that big old belly was out there, right? So, but she still had a lot of fun snatching and cleaning. She didn't do as much as she did when she wasn't pregnant. But the fact was that she stayed within the parameters, keeping the bar within the area of the base. If they go outside the area of the base, then you're just asking for a lot of problems when that bar gets heavy. When the bar's light, I can, I mean, I can swing a, a PVC pipe out and be very successful in the snatch. But I start putting 60, 70, 80 kilos on that bar and I swing it outside the area of the base, then I've got, you know, I, I'm outside the least line of resistance and it's going to be hard for me to save that lift. Awesome. That's helpful, Coach. Thank you. What was your uh, follow-up, Jason? Uh, so I have a bit of a home gym here. My wife wants to really get is like all about Ollie lifting. She that's the only thing she wants to do. So I wanted to get your like your main staples to a home uh Olympic lifting gym, like what are the absolute essentials in your mind? Barbell, bumpers, and squat racks. That's all you need. You don't need anything else. I mean, bumpers, because I want to drop the bar, I'm not going to want to tear up my platform. But I grew up on no bumpers. I didn't have bumpers. And I grew up with the rules that once you made a successful lift, you brought it to your shoulders, you brought it to your waist, you had to take it down below the knees, and then you dropped it. And if you missed the lift, then, you know, the bar obviously dropped and it clanged all over the damn place. But, you know, I didn't get to use bumpers until probably 1971 or 72. And then they were a joy to use, basically. But, you know, a good set of squat racks, if you can afford them. And if you can't, get an old, uh, old uh, pot and put concrete in it and get a two by four and notch it out and make your damn squat racks. That's, that's what we did back in the day. We didn't have a rogue or anybody else that would give us, you know, that had squat racks that they made. You know, we just used old fashioned two by fours and notched them out and, you know, just put the bar up there. We awesome. had to walk uphill both ways and <laughs> make our own squat racks. <laughs> hey, Coach B, is it Ollie or Ollie lifting? Yeah, I, I almost corrected him, but I didn't want to be an embarrassment to him. No, no, most people say Ollie these days. That's absolute bullshit. I appreciate There's that. Not I don't Ollie, like it. It's like it's not Ollie lifting. It's Olympic lifting. In fact, in fact, if I if I am honest, I can't even use the word Olympic because that is a term that is owned by the uh, USOC and the IWF. They own that term Olympic. So I can say weightlifting. I can say powerlifting. I can say dumbbell lifting. But weightlifting in the, you know, as I understand it, is meant to be Olympic weightlifting, not Ollie lifting. Yep. What I heard back in the day is weightlifting one word is the sport of, you know, the clean, the jerk, et cetera. Two words is like your bodybuilding type of thing. But yeah, probably so. Hey, Renee, I'm happy to read your question. Is it less windy there? Or would you like me to read it? I assume you're saying, okay, I'll read it. She says, question one, sadly, our gym is losing some great coaches this summer, but that is providing me with the exciting opportunity to take over our Oli club. 
Sessions are one hour each three times a week. Most of our participatory members just enjoy the snatch and clean and jerk and want to get better. I also have a brand new to the gym 10 year old and two to three who are interested in starting to compete. Do you have any recommendations on how to balance these wide ranging needs and levels in one program? So basically taking over an Olympic lifting program, young kids, adults, how do I handle everybody? Okay, so you only have an hour. So this sounds like my physical education class, right? So what you're gonna do is you're gonna, you know, before the class even begins, you're gonna have them warm up. And what, what, is a, what is a warm up to them? It could be the, the rower, the bike, it can be jogging, it can be whatever you want it to do. And then before class even starts, you get them to do that junkyard dog. And there's two types of junkyard dog. There's the COVID junkyard dog, which I really like. And then there's the typical Bergner junkyard dog that we have. But you have them do that before class even begins. And once the junkyard dog is done, now class can start, and I'm going to start them out every single workout with the Bergner warm-up. And I'm going to have them when I'm going to do a snatch day, which would be Monday. Monday is a snatch day, so I'm going to do a snatch Bergner warm-up and a snatch skill transfer exercise. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get that out of the way, and then Monday I'm going to snatch. I'm going to have a workout in with snatching, you know, and it might be three position snatches. It might be, okay, I want three reps from the high hang. I want two reps from the hang and I want one rep from the ground. That's six total reps. And I'm going to build that up accordingly. But what's going to hold the weight back for me initially is because the high hang, I can't use very much weight. So I'm going to be using and forcing technique on them by doing that workout. So I'm going to, I'm going to start with the snatches and I'm going to end with the front squat. So I'm, once I got my warm up in, I'm going to do the three position snatches. I'm going to do five or six sets. Once I'm done with that, I'm going to end up doing front squats. And if I have time, I'm going to do some kind of core exercise on Wednesday. When I get them, I'm going to do exactly the same thing, except now I'm going to throw in the clean and the jerk. That's what I'm going to throw in. So Monday, Wednesday, clean and Monday snatch, Wednesday, clean and jerk, Friday snatch. Now the next week comes in, I'm going to start with the clean and jerk. Wednesday's going to be the snatch. Friday's going to be the clean and jerk. So one day I'm going to get two snatches, one clean and jerk. The next week I'm going to get two clean and jerks and one snatch. I'm just going to keep rotating them around and utilizing all the, the skills and the drills and the exercises that I have to make them better. But I'm never going to negate a three position snatch in the beginning. And once the next week comes into play, instead of a three position snatch, I'm going to do a two position snatch. And that's going to be from the hang in the floor. And then week three, I'm going to do nothing but the floor. You know, so then week four, I can do everything from the hang or just whatever I want to do and start over the cycle again. But I'm limited on time. And that's what I did with my PE kids. And it, it really worked well. I like it. I think Did that help you, Renee. Let me ask your follow-up question. Selfishly, she says, my son who will be 13 in a few weeks will be one of my athletes. The confidence and self-awareness he has built through weightlifting is just astounding. And now he's starting to be interested in competing. I have a thousand questions on that front, but the one I'll ask is <clears throat> if you have any words of wisdom for a young athlete starting down this road or for his mother. Yeah, don't get in his path, but be smart. You know, I mean, be there to guide him. Uh, you know, first of all, he's going to start getting hair under his armpits and he's, that testosterone is going to start moving in. And he's always going to know more than you, but you are the boss. So just don't forget that, but be there to lovingly guide him in the right direction. Now, having said all that kind of stuff, it's my philosophy that I do bar, uh, uh, bar barbell exercise or body weight exercises before barbell exercises you want to make sure that you get him doing push-ups the squats the crossfit type stuff uh you want to make sure that you get that you know all, all those basic muscle groups formed and delivered while you're teaching them the right technique utilizing pvc pipe and then light bars and and so on and so forth and then here's the other thing i grade on technique I wrote an article several years ago about the 10 point grading system in allowing an athlete to go heavier. 
And if an athlete got an eight or better on my grading system, I counted the weight and I would allow them to go up. However, if they got less than an eight, I didn't count the weight and I wouldn't allow them to go up. So I never graded a weight. I never graded an athlete on how much weight they lifted, but the technique that they achieved. So for an example, Jason and I are competing against each other. Jason weighs 190 pounds. I weigh a felt 170 pounds. And Jason, you know, Jason comes in and he snatches 100 pounds. But I come in and he gets a 10. Perfect technique. Now me being the better athlete come in and I snatch 150 pounds, but I get a six. Jason just kicked my ass because he had better technique. Now, so it's going to do one of two things. Number one, it's going to teach me I better get the best technique if I want to beat Jason. And if I do have the best technique, then what's going to happen later on down the road? I'm going to be snatching 200 with great technique. And Jason's going to continue to grow and he may snatch 150, but he's never going to be able to be as strong as I am because I, I bought into the technique. You as a coach have got to set your established positions on bad technique. And I just didn't allow it. You know, in my teaching, coaching kids, I wouldn't allow bad technique, period. I want to we take that and apply it to CrossFit. Jersey Tony was talking about this the other day, and it's come up multiple times where you have athletes in class that don't necessarily listen to you. You brief it at the whiteboard or mid-workout, you realize they're not going to finish within a certain time domain or stimulus. How would you take that same principle and apply it to coaching CrossFit? And, and Renee, I hope that answered. Did that answer your question? I'm waiting on the... Armpit hair still. <laughs> well, you know that I've had that happen several times. And, you know, the, the, the beauty of what I do is that I just don't charge anybody. I mean, seriously, I mean, people come up to Mike's gym, they come, they come up here and I'm, I'm die. We, I'm the boss. I don't give a shit how much you snatch or think you can snatch and whether you're going to listen to me or not. If you're, if you're not going to listen, I'm not going to coach you. Am I going to allow you to come up to my gym still? Of course. And I've had several athletes, and one was an Olympian that I fired. I, I, I coached him, but he wasn't going to listen. I fired his ass, but he still came up to my gym. And eventually he ended up, okay, coach, I understand. You know, will you coach me? He came, he came around because he saw that I knew what I was talking about. So, Renee, you as a coach have got to absolutely study your butt off, making sure that you have all the proper technique and how to coach down. You have to have a game plan. As a coach, you have to have a game plan on how you're going to teach your athletes and how. what happens if, if, if this athlete does this? What am I going to do? What happens if this athlete does that? What am I going to do? What happens if an athlete misbehaves in my room and uses bad language? What am I going to do? Have your game plan. Me, do what you mean, mean what you say, and just get it done. If they're not going to listen, they're not going to listen. They're paying you. They're paying to use the gym, but they're not going to listen. Don't waste your damn time. But Okay, let me, one final piece of that. What if you really think they're going to hurt themselves? Then I wouldn't, I wouldn't let them come into my class. If they're going to hurt, hurt them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counsel them on them hurting themselves and I'm gonna give their money back, period. I'm not gonna leave my gym out in the open there for lawsuits because, you know, um, because they were stupid. That's why in my class, I teach my athletes how to miss the barbell. The first thing that we do when we come back from lunch after that first day, when we start actually snatching the second part of the day, I teach them how to miss the barbell. How many people in, in your world teach the athlete when they're snatching and clean and jerk how to miss? And there's never, a, 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 when the barbell's out in front of me, that's not an issue. You know, and I'm standing straight up and down, the bar's in front of me, I throw it down. What happens when the barbell starts going behind me? That's when the issue becomes. So if, if I, I teach my athletes how to, how to miss properly to protect my gym, to protect my liability. I think you have to do exactly the same thing. And if you've got an athlete that's not going to miss them, 
is not going to listen to you. He's going to hurt themselves. You respectively tell them, you guys, are, you're not listening to me. I think you're going to hurt yourself. So here's your money back. And I just find another gym. You know, Jersey Tony, that's an interesting, right? We talked about it the other day. For all of you that don't own the box, telling your owner like, hey, you want $150 or you want a lawsuit? Absolutely. Right? That's an interesting point. Jersey Tony, question? Yeah. Uh, how you doing, Coach B? Thank you again uh, for joining us. So two quick questions then. Um, there's this guy who recently posted saying that uh, CrossFit helps save weightlifting. So I wanted to get your uh, take on that. And I guess then follow up pretty exciting times with the Olympics coming up and weightlifting being so prevalent in it. Uh, so I want to get your thoughts on that. And then follow up is Great question. Uh, I have an athlete named Roni <laughs> that usually has that stripper booty action and still rises first from the hips as opposed to shoulders hips together been working some deficit pulls things like that but is there any sort of cue that you can use with this athlete to help them that's not jason is it well, <laughs> probably do that but he's not referring to me yeah okay well first of all crossfit did absolutely save weightlifting in the united states no doubt about it absolutely. i didn't say it kind of did i said it did thank it did. you yeah, it did. There's no, absolutely no question about it. If it wasn't for CrossFit, then weightlifting, I mean, here's a, here's a great example. When I, I was on the board of directors of weightlifting before CrossFit was around, we had maybe 3,000 members, which also included coaches and referees and moms and dads and anybody else that would join weightlifting to bring in funding. And we worked our butts off to try to get the school kids, the, the elementary schools, the middle schools, the high schools. We, we tried our best to get those, uh, get those guys involved in uh, developing our program. But it really wasn't until CrossFit came along and the, and the buy-in took place. And I was the one, I, I'm going to pat myself on the back because I was the guy that started that movement. You know, Glassman got me, came down and took our uh, USA weightlifting level one course. And uh, it was, it was, a, it was absolutely outstanding. And he, he bought it. Glassman loved the Olympic lifts. He loved what they did. And I went back to the board and told him, I said, you guys ought to realize that CrossFit is going to be our savior. Everybody on that board thought I was a fool, thought I was nuts and thought I was going to lose my career as a coach in weightlifting. But the opposite took place. And now everybody will tell you that absolutely was the best thing that ever happened to weightlifting. So the second question, the old booty rise. If you go back and look at past YouTube articles, you will see that a guy by the name of Yuri Vardanian from the Soviet Union would absolutely raise his ass up before the bar even broke the ground. And the guy was the greatest weightlifter of all time. So what's the point here? The point is different strokes for different folks. I am going to teach my methods the right way, but if I've got an athlete that's gonna snatch 180 kilos, raising his ass up in the air and his back's parallel to the ground, what am I gonna to say to that guy? Great job. So you want to really pick, I want all everything to be the same. That's the way I'm going to teach it all the time. That's what I am going to teach. However, if I see, you know, somebody that has a great deal of technique and I can't break them of that habit, then I'm, I'm not going to change them. The juice isn't worth the squeeze to try to change that athlete. Another example is a, is a rich froning. You know, Rich Froning bends the bar, bends his elbows, bringing the bar into the hips, and he bangs the bar off the hips, but that bar does not go away from his body. It's still, as Jason said, it's still a gnat's ass away from his body when he pulls himself aggressively underneath the bar and receives it. So I don't know if that answers your question or not, but I'm going to work hard on trying to get the athlete to keep the, you know, everything up in, in, in the motion within that least line of resistance. But if there are athletes that raise the butt up too soon and they're very successful, uh, it's like the old jumping back thing. You know, is it okay for an athlete to jump back? And I just say, yeah, it's okay for the athlete to jump back as long as they bring the bar with them.
Do I like it? No, but there's some athletes that are going to jump back and they're still going to be successful. But I've never met an athlete that jumps forward that's been successful. So you just got to, you got to know when to balance it out. Thanks, Coach. Did you, you had a third part in there, didn't you, Tony? No, it was more, I mean, the, um, the Olympics this summer. Yeah, it was just more of a comment, just how it's a pretty fun time for weightlifting. And then with the CrossFit games happening all around the same time, it's just pretty cool. Yeah, I love it. I think it's great. Coach Bergner, care to say who you, who you think will win the games this year? I'll tell you what, who, uh, Im who really impresses the heck out of me is Hopper. Who's that? that? From, uh, from South Carolina, Clemson is his name, Jason Hopper. Okay. I mean, I think, I think he's got a lot of talent. He's 23 years old. He's a junkyard dog. Uh, he's, he's a former, uh, you know, football player. He knows what it takes, you know, and he's, uh, I, I really like him. I think he's got a lot of talent. I mean, Jersey Tony, I know he's, he's high on your list as well. He's got a good oh, shot. I, I'm in awe of these 17 year olds that are snatching 200 pounds. The girls. And the, that yeah. I, I, they're athletes to me, Jason. Thank you very much. All right. It's 2021, but I'm just amazed at everyone throwing around this weight and they weigh 130 pounds. I, I, well, Jersey, let me tell you something. My first course that I did with Coach Glassman was in Boulder, Colorado. And I had Navy SEALs, Marine Force Recon. I had firefighters. I had police officers. Not one person could do an overhead squat with a PVC pipe. And now you look at what's happening here. It's absolutely astonishing. Great thing. And jumping rope. I've, all the people that were arguing about the jumping rope are nonsense. They would not be jumping rope if not for CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. Christian. Hey, Coach B, thanks for being on. Um, we, we've heard the, the answer to this question from like CrossFit, but I want to know from you, why does Olympic weightlifting belong in CrossFit and in GPP? Because it's the most important part of the whole sport of CrossFit. I mean, I hope that's what you heard before, but uh, tell me what's not being worked. I mean, and, and, and most of life is done in an explosive manner. Or most sport, I should say, is done in an explosive manner, which requires ankle, knee, and hip extension. There's not a better movement pattern than the snatch, the clean, or the jerk that will test that ankle, knee, and hip extension, which carries over to a large extent to, you know, jumping, you know, uh, all of those. I mean, I've never found, other than curling done in the Olympic games, I'm not sure that I found a sport that isn't done ballistically. So I, I the beauty of CrossFit is that they do, they do uh, challenge you in a lot of different exercises. I love that. But my, for me personally, my go-to exercises for every sport and everything that I've ever, ever done is a snatch and clean and jerk and the front squat. Front squat's more important to me than the back squat. Much more important. And a lot of times I'll do three front squats and come in with one back squat. You know, or I'll work three front squat programs before I'll work one back squat program. And it just, their carryover is just too large to ignore. Could I follow up to that, Jason? Of course, yeah. So with that, and I totally agree with you, by the way. I, I, I just wanted to hear what you would say. Um, you talked a lot about elite athletes. So going on the other side, why should my grandma be doing these? Same reason. She's got to get out of a chair. She's got to stand up. What if she has to catch herself falling down? What happens if she has to reach up and grab something? Now, maybe, you know, with her, and it's interesting you're going to ask this, you ask this because in, in about 45 minutes, I'm going to be working with a gal that's going to go to the games. She's an adaptive athlete. She had a below knee amputation. And this will be the first time that I've ever worked with anybody below the knee uh, amputation. But I'm going to train her exactly the same way that I'd be training you. Exactly the same. But there's a caveat there because I don't know how much drive. She, she can do an overhead squat. She can do a snatch balance. She can do all that stuff. But remember, I don't believe in pulling. I believe in driving. I may have to change after I watch her and we, we take, you know, we learn to work with each other a little bit. 
I may have to change a philosophy with her that will indicate she's only got a 50% leg drive and I may have to bring in, you know, a, a lot more upper body hips and arms actually, which I don't like doing, but I have to accommodate her with the, you know, the uh, differences that she has. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, it's just a different kind. I mean, I'm going to teach, I'm going to teach grandma how to muscle snatch. I'm going to teach, I'm going to go through this Bergner warm up with grandma and I'm going to, you know, grandma may not be able to drive all the way down into a full overhead squat, but she can go down two inches. So I just accommodate her with the, you know, with the potential that she has, but I'm not going to treat her any damn different than I would anybody else. I like it. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we, we hear, that's probably the biggest criticism is, you know, we don't need these in GPP or grandma shouldn't do them, but Absolutely. The same thing we've said before. If grandma can snatch, she's less likely to fall down. Exactly. Exactly. How, how did, you know, you're talking about training these athletes, and I know you mentioned the, the geezer club. How did it, the COVID impact your, your garage gym and you guys that work out together? Uh, initially, you know, uh, it, it shut my gym down, basically. I mean, you know, March to probably June. Um, and then I said, for me personally, I started looking up the literature and stuff. And, you know, we were smart. You know, I just, uh, I, I told my guys, I said, you can come on up. We're going to do our social distancing. We're going to wipe down every time you use the equipment, you're going to wipe it down. And I said, if you can't deal with that, then don't come up, please. And, uh, you know, they were very respectful. And, uh, you know, we just, I never made them wear masks, but if they felt comfortable wearing a mask, then I, we, we didn't give a shit one way or the other. We let them wear masks and, uh, you know, that was fine. So eventually, you know, these guys, uh, as time went on, they become, they became, uh, a little bit more aware for them. And now it's just, I think we opened up in, like I said, June or July and, and probably by August or September, we were hundred percent going right back the way we were before and but we even today we still respect each other and we keep our social distances we don't have anybody that wears masks but if they did we wouldn't care uh, and we still wipe down the equipment the way it's supposed to be done it's probably made us more clean basically <laughs> over the years has there been anything that someone's brought to you that they wanted your likeness or attach your name to that you've said no to <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, I, <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that. You know, I'm just a dumbass basically is all I am, but I, I have a passion for teaching Olympic weightlifting and, and that's all I care about. I well, I'm just thinking, you know, we were talking about the garage gym setup, and you could probably easily have the coach be barbell bumper, you know, like the uh, old uh, Ted Williams workout set, right? Yeah, I, I would tell you that I guess the biggest thing that people have asked to be able to use uh, is the burden and warm up and the skill transfer exercises. You know, we had some posters made that were very successful, but you know how much hard work that is to produce that bullshit? I mean, seriously? I mean, I, I don't want to do that, you know? And, and I, I've had people come up here and I tell them, go ahead and do it. I don't care. You know, just, you know, you got my permission, you know, use it. You know, if you can throw a couple bucks my way, great. And if you can't, that's okay. Have at it and have fun. But uh, I just, you know, there's more important things to me, like teaching the snatch and clean and jerk to grandma than producing a t-shirt and a poster, basically. But thank you very much. for That's an honor for you to say that. How would life be different for you if CrossFit came about in the 60s or 70s? <laughs> I'd probably be a gazillionaire instead of a dumbass coach, you know. So, and <laughs> that's what I was looking for. Yeah, well, in the '60s and '70s, when I had, uh, I was young, dumb, and stupid. I probably would have either lost the whole thing or, or became a gazillionaire one way or the other. Yeah, Frederico, is your phone charged? Are you ready for this? Are you going to blow it like last week? Hi, Gucci. Thanks again for being here. I have two questions. The first is, both in the clean and the snatch, 
where do you think the bat should be in the starting position in relation to the knee and to the scapula? Well, I, I think there's five points of performance that we use in that starting position. Number one, the first point is to always checking the feet. You know, in, in teaching athletes and the fundamentals of teaching is always starts with the stance. 90% of all missed lifts are attributed to the feet. That, that's just, that's where it's at. So when I'm going down into my starting position, the first thing I'm going to look at is my positioning under the bar. Where is the weight distributed on, on my feet? That's number one. Number two, where is the hips uh, related to the knees? So I'm, for me, I'm going to have my, typically my athlete, typically my athlete's going to have their feet right underneath their hips and the weight is going to be distributed on the midfoot, right? And I'm never going to bring the bar to my shins, but I'm always going to bring my shins to the bar. So that allows me to have those hips in a position that is going to be slightly higher than the knees. Although if I have a longer legged athlete, then my hips may be up a little bit higher. So I'm, but it is, does follow that second point of performance. Number three, I want the shoulders to be directly over the bar or slightly. I mean, I'm talking about a Nat's ass again in front of the bar. So that's number three. Number four, my back is going to be flat or and, and possibly arched, depending on my anatomy. But that's number four. And number five, I'm going to have my head looking straight ahead. Not down, not up, but my eyes are going to be straight ahead. Now, I found that when I go back and I study under YouTube and look at all these great athletes, all these great lifters, a lot of them, before the bar comes off the ground, may differentiate from those five points of performance because they use a dynamic start. But I never teach my beginners ever to use a dynamic start. They're only allowed to do that once that they become more experienced. And what that simply does is the dynamic start allows that athlete to get that stretch reflex and before they get that stretch reflex coming in, their hips will be below the knees and their torso may be behind the bar. But when that bar comes off the ground, everything is dialed in the way it should be according to those five points of performance. Thanks. Can I ask another, another question? Of course. Yeah. What do you like and what you don't like about Russian school and Chinese school? Well, I, I was brought up on the Russian Polish method. I like vertical hips. I like more of the straight line finish, slightly back, never straight line, but slightly back. And I think, you know, the Chinese, God love them, man. These guys, they start their kids at a very young age and they, they get them doing these drills and, the, and they, they do a lot of GPP with these kids that are very Olympic weightlifting oriented. Uh, they're more of the, the catapult method method, if you will. Uh, but they're one of the greatest teams to be, you know, challenged at the Olympic Games. They're just outstanding. So I'm not going to badmouth them. I'm just not going to teach it that way. Um, you know, most of the Chinese that I've seen that come out of their schools, hell, if, if there's anybody above 5'5", five, five, I'd like to see them because they're all very short, short athletes, you know. And so they can really do a lot of different things using a catapult method that maybe a taller athlete wouldn't be able to do. But I found that, you know, using the old adage, hips up, bar up, hips out, bar out, using that philosophy allows me to keep the bar, you know, in the proper path, according to coach B, you know, and according to the Russian Polish method, that's what I was brought up on. And that's what I learned. And that's what I really believe in. That's good, Christian. That was good. Thanks. <laughs> Christian said I might have a good chance as a Chinese lifter. Uh, <laughs> Kelsey. Hey, a uh, quick question. So I have an athlete that um, every time he either power cleans or cleans when he makes contact with the bar. Well, no, when he goes to receive the bar, it like bangs into his shoulders. Like every time, like I've tried every cue that I could think of even when it's heavy, I'm like, how do you even do that when it's heavy? He like flicks his wrists around. So I was just wondering if you had any like cues or drills for that. Yeah. First of all, I'd check his grip. 
Um, I'm, I'm one of these guys that most guys, most guys want to do upright rows. They love that's a bodybuilding exercise. They love the way that makes them feel. In Olympic weightlifting, if you pull in with your arms, you're in bad shape. And so what ends up happening with an athlete that is allowing the bar to crash on them, their elbows are extremely slow is what ends up happening. So I've got to, I've got to do drills that are going to allow those elbows to learn to come around really quick. The other thing is, is that I've got to teach this athlete to go to the bar and not go to the hole. Whether they're cleaning or not, it doesn't make any difference. If I've got an athlete that's power cleaning, remember a power clean is anything received above parallel, right? So if this athlete is receiving the bar and is crashing on him, whether it's a full clean or a, a clean or a power clean, makes no difference. Their elbows are slower than hell. And one of the reasons their elbows are slow is because their grip is way too narrow. My daughter is, mm. is real tiny. She's, she's, she takes a two thumb grip from the knurling, right? And it just, that, that idea of a wider grip takes away from that athlete trying to pull the bar up. And that wider grip allows me the speed of the elbows to get to the bar. And then the drills that I would use for that after I've widened the grip are simply called tall cleans. Mm -hmm. And I, talk, I, I do tall power cleans and I do tall cleans. And, and I teach that athlete to go to the bar. So in a tall clean, all they're doing is standing straight up and down, straight up and down. And there is no leg drive. The only thing they have is a shoulder drive, if you will, and then a pull as their feet slide out to receive that bar to in that landing position. That is where they're going to get the speed and the knowledge to go to the bar. You can't, you cannot pull a barbell up if my feet are off the ground. So I've got to teach those athletes to slide their feet out. And when that timing comes in of sliding the feet out, they're pulling on the bar. So you're getting your initial leg drive in a normal clean and snatch against the ground. The power source is the ground. But once that your feet start sliding, the power source changes to the barbell. And that's where you're getting your speed. So the wider grip, working tall cleans, well, tall power cleans first and then tall cleans teaches that athlete to go to the bar and not the hole. They're automatically going to the hole, automatically. And I will bet you as the weight gets heavier, that athlete still does not receive the bar at a different depth. They will receive the bar always at that same depth in a power clean. And you got to teach them to go to the bar, the period. Is, is that hard? Hell yes, it's hard. It's harder than hell. Will they get impatient? Yes, they will. But you know, it's, there again, you're the coach. Tell them to do what the hell you want them to do. Thank you. Tim. Good question. Hey, Coach B. Um, or Ben, that's fine. Go ahead, oh, okay. Ben. Sorry. Yeah, I'm in the geezer club right here with yeah, you. Geezer. Yeah. Hey, Remember, uh, geezer's rule. Do what? Geezer's rule. Damn right. Listen, I took your class about eight years ago, and uh, I had the advantage of going, being able to go to USA Youth Nationals a couple of times, and I owe it all to you, and I just want to say thank you. I just listened to what you say, and I studied a lot of your, just your attitude and your demeanor of the way you coach, and I really appreciate what you're doing, and that's really all I had. I don't have a question. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. That, that, that kind of stuff really means a lot. I, I appreciate it very much. It's Thanks an awesome experience. An awesome experience. No one cry on this call. No crying. <laughs> Sim, are you ready this time, Sim? Yep. I didn't. I, I thought I heard someone else. Okay. Uh, so my question was, first of all, hi, Coach B. Uh, my question was, like in CrossFit, we look for uh, an equal combination of safety, efficacy, and efficiency. Uh, is there any priority order in, do, uh, in weightlifting? Of course, it's the same thing. I mean, I, you got to be safe in a weight room. I mean, you can't you can't be a dumbass in a weight room. I mean, if if, if a kid's going to uh, be stupid and they're going to hurt themselves, then 
you know, I've, I've got to address that. You know, just like you do in a physical education teaching class, it's exactly the same. You know, in, in my world of teaching my course, that whole Bergner course, the purpose of the course is to teach athletes and coaches how to teach or perform the snatch, the clean, and the jerk in a safe, efficient, and effective manner. That's, that's, that is my goal and objectives. And that whole course is designed based on safe, efficient, effective manner. Safety is the primary reason that we teach our curriculum the way we, we teach it. I love it, Katie. Thanks for adding the, the fun. Coach Bergner clearly has that mixed in there as well. Sim, did that answer your question? Yep. Yes, it did. Any other questions before we begin to uh, let Coach B go about his day? Early in, in uh, Cali. What do you got, Christian? Uh, so we, we've talked a lot about like early polling and, and a lot of the different things that are going on with the lifts. Um, and one of the things that I have issues with, and I'm sure everybody else does with the newer athletes, is the timing of it all. How do you uh, develop athletes making sure they're, uh, um, they're ex you know, exploding their hips before they pull, they're getting under the bar at the right time? How do you organize all of that? Again, it's just, you know, it's just a fundamental idea. I'm not going to let them, you know, my athletes never snatched for 18 weeks because I work drills and skills with them. Now, in your world of working at a CrossFit gym, that's that's not going to be able to happen. But in my world, you know, I could make that happen. But then again, getting right back down to the the verbiage or the nomenclature of what the clean is all about, the snatch is all about. Again, I hate the word pull because pull just it just tells you I'm going to pull. I would rather have leg drive, leg drive, leg drive, velocity, velocity, velocity. Those are the terms that need to be given to those athletes to create that velocity on the barbell. And I like to bring out little, little tools like the jump rope. I have a jump rope with a weight at the bottom of it. And that jump rope indicates those are my arms, my hips, my feet, my legs. And when I go down to load and I jump, what happens to that weight? It comes up. It becomes weightless. That's exactly the same thing that I'm trying to get my athletes to understand. And then again, meeting the bar where it is, is a tough, tough, tough drill. So, you know, I mean, I've been successful doing that sometimes, and then I've been not successful doing it. So if I have an athlete that is that I've had that's not successful in meeting that bar and the bar crashes on them, then that athlete will get a double dose of front squat Zotz presses. And I don't know if you know what that is, but you're going down in a front squat using the clean grip. And while you're in the front squat with your ass, ass, ass that far from the ground, ass to grass, you're doing presses in that position. And that works that whole posterior chain works that thoracic area amazingly and the lumbar area as well. So it, it's gonna make me strong in that position, more confident in that position. So if, if in fact, I can't get you to meet the bar where it is and the bar is gonna crash on you, I'm gonna be extremely strong in that position. So I'll be able to receive the bar adequately and not injure myself. One last question, Jason. All right, Coach B. So I have an athlete who is um, center, I think in her mid 50s, um, bone on bone in her knees. Uh, she loves Olympic weightlifting, like lights up every time it's, it's programmed at the gym. Um, but that being said, uh, jumping is kind of out of the question. She actually has it kind of figured out. She's got it dialed in where she can do 30 full squats before the knees really just. Are, are done. Um, so given that, you know, jumping is really an essential, uh, you know, part of uh, weightlifting, I'm trying to think of ways that we can help her develop in advance given her limitations. So I just kind of want to get your two cents on like, what are some things I might be able to give her and help her with so she can continue to enjoy the sport? Yeah, I, I think you're right on. I, for her as a 50 year old, she's not going to go to the Olympic games. I don't know if she's going to go to the CrossFit Games or not, but the idea of her being safe in her weight room and having a good time is the most important priority. 
However, I will tell you if I had a 50 year old that has the, the knees, having gone through my second knee replacement, um, I will tell you that I would probably have that athlete doing split cleans, split snatches. It's a little bit, uh, it's less invasive on the knees, so to speak. Um, and then I will tell you another, uh, there's a guy on Instagram that is called toes over the knee guy. Yes. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen that or not. Yeah, but he's good. Yeah. He is outstanding. And I, I think I'm going to hire him actually. Yeah. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a geezer. I'm 75 and I've got two knee replacements and the stuff that he's talking about just makes absolute sense to me, you know, and, and uh, I would, as a 50 year old that's still doing this stuff, I would absolutely go to toes over the knee guy and I would follow him and, and look, and he's got three different programs. One's called the zero base program. And, and it's, it's not, uh, it's done without weight at all. And it's, it just works a lot of the anterior tibialis, you know, I'm, there's so much stuff that I've learned in the last three weeks from <coughs> following him. And I've asked him personal questions as well, and they always get back to you. He is out freaking standing. Uh, uh, that guy's really interesting. Uh, I'll definitely, yeah, thanks for posting that, Katie. What, one last question, Coach B, as we wrap up. He, obviously, for some of us, our best lifting days are behind us. How do you change your mindset knowing that? Well, I want your egos to be as big as the world. I want you to think you can do that. But if you're going to be a dumbass, you're going to hurt yourself. So, I mean, I quit being a dumbass about a year ago when I was 74. You know, so, so I mean, now I'm 75, so I'm smart again, right? You know, it's just, you, you, you'll figure it out or you'll kill yourself, one of the two. So, you know, I mean, it took me a long time to figure this stuff out. And remember, I think I told you this the last time, I've made every freaking mistake in the book you could ever make. My life has not always been peaches and cream, believe me. Have I always been a dumbass? Yes, I have. But at 75, I finally figured out I don't want to be a dumbass anymore. You know, so I want to go out and have fun. I still do my push-ups, my sit-ups. I do muscle snatches instead of regular snatches because they don't hurt. You know, what I mean? <laughs> but if I'm going to work with Jason Ackerman, I'm going to kick his ass. Hey, I, well, I appreciate that. I, I got a few years before I have to get smart then. One last piece. What's, what's your piece of advice since our last uh, call? I have a baby. She, speaking of kicking my ass, she's doing that. What's your you you you've done a great job at least from the outside. What what's your piece of advice? Family first, father? brother. Family, Family first. first. Always, always, always. I've got six grandkids. I've just had Cody, my third son, just had a baby. My son Bo, my second son, is getting ready to have a baby. You know, his wife's getting ready to have a baby in Portugal in, in August. And uh, I will tell you, there's nothing better than family. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a great way to wrap things up. I think everyone on this call can appreciate that. These guys are, how you do one thing is how you do anything. And I think these guys put a lot of effort, time, energy, passion, heart, et cetera, into coaching. And I have no doubt they all put the same into their family. And I've seen it firsthand. So. You guys are great. Coach B, it's always a pleasure having you on. I'll see you in a month or so in, in Madison. And uh, you guys, you know the drill. Say goodbye to Coach B. Uh, and then I'll, uh, I'll log you off. Thank you so much for coming back on. So you never miss an episode of the podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and on all major podcasting platforms at best hour of their day. Thank you so much for tuning in and for being a part of the best hour of our day. See you next time. You've heard me talk about it before, and I'm truly not joking. I'm being 100% genuine. I love Doc Spartan products. I use it every day. I talk about the Sex Panther beard bomb. That's literally what is in my beard right now, and I use all of the scrubs, my favorite being the coffee scrub, just in the shower, 
gives you the tingles, gives you the feels. I love it. And there's so many other great products. I use their deodorant. I've used their hand care when I've had tears. Just check them out. It's veteran owned, you know, guy that was in the military serving our country, Dale. I got to know him over the years and he's just a great dude. And I started buying his products and he reached out to me and said, hey, we want to support the show and we appreciate it. And I just want you guys to not only support Doc Spartan and Dale, but also reap the benefits. If you want to be sexy like me, then you want to check out Doc Spartan products, 15% off with the code best hour. That's best hour for 15% off anything at their website, docspartan.com. Check out the coffee scrub and definitely check out the beard balm. And ladies, there's stuff for you too. So head on over to docspartan.com, use the code best hour and save 15%. You started your business to help others. Somewhere along the way, you lost the capability of doing it on your own. Imagine how much different your business would be with an extra $10,000. Would you pay your rent? Would you buy new equipment? Would you pay your coaches more? Would you pay yourself? What if you could do that and donate to others? We started our business to help you. Finally, a, a payment solution for the micro gym space. We are proud to introduce you to WheelPay, a platform that allows you to both save money and be generous. With giving partners like the Phoenix, the Navy SEAL Foundation, the Green Beret Project, and other charitable organizations, you can trust that your donations will make a massive difference in the lives of others. Saving has never been easier. Giving has never been easier. Pay better. Do better. We'll pay.